The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Well, hello and welcome to Fearless, Fabulous You. I am your host, Melanie Young, and you are listening live today on W4WN, the Women for Women Network. As you know, I love to share inspiring women with you and discuss topics of health and wellness to help you live a passionate, purposeful, and healthy life. And I do it by having um, guests like the one I'm going to be introducing shortly on air. You can follow me uh, at Twitter and Instagram, Melanie Fabulous, and check out my blog at MelanieYoung.com. And as you know, all my shows are permanently podcast to iHeart iTunes and all major podcast platforms and you can listen anytime, anywhere. Um, I've got a great guest. It's, she's kind of got a really interesting background, um, which I'm going to let her share, but she goes by the name Chef Aki Taylor. That's A-H-K-I. Okay, A-H-K-I, kind of an interesting name, right? Well, we're going to find a little bit about that background. Our website is GoChefAki.com, but According to her bio, first of all, she's a celebrity chef, author, a natural food activist. Yay. The bio says she was raised by four generations of medicine women in Oklahoma, where she was exposed to indigenous foods and alternative medicine. Chef Aki transitioned to a plant-based diet at the age of 18 and later went to study with a Dr. Mark Armstrong to achieve her bachelor's degree in naturopathic science and holistic theology. Uh, here's a cool tip. She was, her career began in Paris as Lenny Kravitz's personal chef. Okay, you don't know this, and she doesn't know this, but I am such a Lenny Kravitz fan. You have no idea. So that's very cool. She's also worked with other personalities like Selma Hayek, Selma Hayek, Bradley Cooper, Lee Daniels, and Wendy Williams. She inspires many to take control of their health um, via daily recipes, online classes, and she's an author of three books, all interesting. One is called Electric, A Modern Guide to Non-Hybrid and Wild Foods. The second, which we're going to talk about in a little more detail, uh, is the Fibroid Elimination Recipe Guide, How to Eliminate Uterine Fibroids in as little as, 30, as 40 Days. And then Superfood for the Modern Baby, How to Incorporate Alkaline Electric Foods into the Diet for the Mother and Baby's First Years Together. All kind of interesting topics. And why I think this show will be great, and I want to remind my listeners, I have an online chat room at w4wn.com. You can um, send me some questions, and I'll vet and answer a few on air. (coughs) One of our audiences uh, of many are women of color. Uh, And I think this is kind of important because Afro-American women um, have a unique set of health risks. I'm not sure why. It could be genetic. It could be lifestyle. I don't know. But these are facts that they are at higher risk for high blood pressure, obesity and diabetes, breast cancer, an aggressive form of breast cancer. And as you know, I am a survivor um, and I've addressed this in my book because they're more likely to get triple negative breast cancer, cervical cancer. Uh, fibroids, 
which is a book, one of her books. And I covered this on my show uh, earlier with Cofinus Medical Group, Premature Delivery and Sickle Cell Disease. Um, and of course, all women are prone to depression and it has been Mental Health Awareness Month. So these are unique. It's not. It's universal for women, sadly. Somewhat unique that there's a higher uh, risk for African-American women. Um, she is not a doctor. I am not a doctor. But what we both share in common is that we are both healthy food activists who believe in a plant-focused diet. And I'm really excited to have her on the show today. Welcome, Chef Aki Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. Well, I do appreciate your joining me today. I know you're uh, en route and in traveling and, and whatnot. So um, if for any reason you get disconnected, we will call you back. But I want you to um, share a little bit about your SPAC story. Um, as you correct me, you were not born on an Indian reservation, but you were, <laughs> <laughs> which somehow I read somewhere and I was like, wow, cool. Um, but you, it says you were raised by four generations of medicine women. So what, yeah. tell us about that. <laughs> so in my background, um, so I was born and raised in Oklahoma. Uh, my family is Choctaw, uh, also Seminole in Cherokee. So my mother, my grandmother, her grandmother, um, I was really fortunate to have my great-grandmother um, for a large part of my life as well. So I had women really pouring into me the culture and the lifestyle of um, just respecting the earth, respecting and taking care of our bodies in a natural way. And I didn't realize that this was something really sacred until I got older and went out into the world and... Um, I, I honestly did not appreciate what my grandmothers were telling me as a young woman. I truly had to kind of circle back and pay homage to them really through this work that I'm doing today. Um, well, so, What was your diet like back then? So, you know, my, my grandmother always says, you know, she doesn't understand this, this eating, uh, you know, fast food and processed food and meat even three times a day, you know, like we do now. She said that when she was growing up, they pretty much ate whatever came out of the backyard. And, you know, they may visit a butcher every once in a while, but that was a luxury. And it was really something that, that wealthy people did. They didn't, you know, have the luxury of having meat uh, three times a day. So how we were raised was a mostly plant-based diet. Uh, today, my grandmother's pescatarian. Um, and we, so we would have, um, you know, definitely the, the kind of typical, you know, roast beef and chicken and all of those things. We would have them, but my grandmother made sure that we ate out of her garden and we ate a mostly plant-based diet. Well, I think that's really great because, um, I try to do that as well. Aki, and it, and it, and having just come back from Italy where all I was served, believe it or not, was not plants, hashtag not plants. I'm oh, feeling, God. I'm feeling it and looking at it right now. I, 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 <laughs> yes. I wake up and my, oh my God, this is what happens when bread and cheese pasta hits your body. <laughs> Absolutely. So exactly. I'm, I'm so with you. Did, did you have any, um, I, I also read somewhere, but I want to hear it from you. Did you have any health challenges as you, um, uh, blossomed into adulthood and beyond, um, um, that you had to address through diet and lifestyle. Yeah, well, you know, I started really young, fortunately, uh, and eating well. But so when I was about maybe 
eight or nine, uh, my family moved to, to the city and we became kind of city five, you know, so my mother got a job, my father was working and, you know, we kind of had to fend for ourselves. So we definitely started eating bad and I definitely started to suffer. Um, I began to have fainting spells where I would just pass out. Um, of what I later found out was just the hydration. And I, ha- I had this accompanying UTIs that I would get regularly. Um, and nobody really stopped to say, you know what, maybe, maybe she's drinking too much Pepsi. Maybe we need to monitor you know, she's just drinking Coca-Cola and, and uh, Kool-Aid. Right. So, yes, I started to have some issues. But fortunately, I'd say between the ages of around 10 and 15, I suffered these fainting spells and UTIs, and then uh, by the time I was about 16, 17, I really started to take my health seriously after watching my only sister suffer through 10 surgeries and uh, dealing with ovarian cysts. 10 surgeries? 10 surgeries, which ultimately led to uh, a full hysterectomy by the time she was, I think, 22. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of um, uh, it was an awakening for me, surely a, an aha moment. Is she okay now? So today, you know, the people don't talk about the post-operative stuff right. that happens with, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and oftentimes women are in so much pain when they go to the doctors that they don't really, um, they, they, they don't think about the results of what's going to happen when they have these full hysterectomy. So what I will say is that she is okay uh, in regard to, you know, her having the suffering that she experienced. But now what's happened is that, uh, you know, of course she wants to have children. She, you know, can't have children on her own. Um, but she also pretty much has to take supplements or, or medications mm-hmm. for the rest of her life. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and they can be hard on the body. Medications can be very hard on the body, um, and they come with a whole set of factors of understanding how diet and food interactions can affect your body. I'm not big on um, being on medication for a long term. I was on a um, uh, an anti-estrogen, an estrogen inhibitor for my post-breast uh-huh. cancer, post-menopause, and I finally said uh-huh. I want off. I, I want it off, and and I didn't see a reason to be on it. Nobody could give me a a reason to stay on it. And therefore, I found many reasons to be off it. I do want my listener to know that um, Chef Ahi is in an airport between trips, so you may hear a little background. It's perfectly okay, <laughs> but it's not anything scary. It. <laughs> She's making, you know, busy women got to do that. They got to do um, to to, to get their story out. Um, what, um, you studied cooking and holistic health. Give us a little bit about when you decided to go into this as a profession. And for a lot of my listeners, they actually are very interested in learning how they can go into it as well. We, many of us have mm-hmm. that tipping point where we, we may have been doing, I mean, something else and we're going to go into it as a profession or just to improve our own lives. Were you doing something else before you decided to um, study cooking and holistic health? Yeah, you know, um, I got into it, you know, really after my sister, you know, suffered through her surgeries and I started to really get serious about my health, I decided that I wanted to do a series of colonics. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, I started to get interested in becoming a colon therapist. I took an internship. Wow. And so <laughs> kind of an interesting way to get into food. 
but I was so interested in making sure I was detoxing my own body that I really took the time to study and understand what, you know, what, what cleansing a natural diet could do. And so in that process, um, after about a year and a half in my internship, I took a full-time job as a colon therapist. I got really involved with my clients. I started to host classes, cooking classes, culinary classes for them to learn how to get more into plant-based so they could, you mm-hmm. know, stop, basically stop coming, eating burgers and coming to me every week. And um, it, it, it really took off in Atlanta. And at this time, blogging was super popular. So mm-hmm. I was kind of just, you know, I was a, a writer by trade. I was a photographer also. I was, you know, dibbing, dabbling in so many things throughout my young adult years. But by the time I was about 25, I started to blog about my experience with mm-hmm. uh, the culinary classes and taking pictures of beautiful food. And I'm telling you about two years into it, the thing just took off with social media and people said, Whoa, look at this girl. She's cooking up some beautiful plant-based meals. And there was no hashtag vegan alkaline foods at that time. So it just Mm -hmm. really niched and and took off from there. Well, you know, you, it's right place at right time. I do want to let my listeners know your, your Instagram is um, at chef Aki, right? A-H-K-I. Yes, yes. Um, yes. And, and you're quite beautiful. You're, you're a quite beautiful woman as well. I don't know how old you are, but oh, you're also you. a very stunning woman. Um, and, <laughs> I'll and be you, 40 you, in February. Well, congratulations. <laughs> you, you glow. You have, a, you have a very nice glow. Now, you live in Atlanta now or somewhere else? Thank you. Yes, I live in Atlanta. Um, I just had a, well, I, I didn't just have a, I'm a, I will say I'm a new mom. I'm still figuring this thing out. I've got my three-year-old at home. Um and so I'm still figuring this thing out, which is why I really wanted to dig in and create some sort of, of uh, guide, because uh, the superfoods is really a guide, to help mothers figure this whole thing out with how to feed their crazy kids who, you know, you don't want them eating all the junk, but you really want to give them a strong head start and make things that they will actually eat. So, yes, right. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia with um, my husband, George, and my baby, Nashoba. I used to live in Atlanta. Okay, awesome. I used to live in Atlanta a long, long time ago. I have to tell you, it was the fast food capital. Like every every fast so food company you know, decided to test its new concept in Atlanta. So when I was mm-hmm. there in the early 80s, that's like it. And then there was like, you know, Panos and Paul's, you know, and all the you know, nice restaurants. But that was it. Yes. And- I moved to New York. It's really changed now. I have to tell you, I went back to Atlanta. I was there with my husband, David, in December visiting. I have a lot of friends in the food industry there. I'm, I'm surprised we haven't met. A lot of friends in the food industry there <laughs> through La Dame de Scoffier um, and mm, uh, Atlanta yeah. chapter. And the, such great restaurants, particularly ethnic restaurants right now. I mean, I, I was like blown away at how good the food is and how much better the food is. It's incredible. There's actually National Awakenings magazine just about three weeks ago released a cover with myself and three other women who are all black women in the vegan um, uh-huh. that, that, that have vegan restaurants in Atlanta. So really? this vegan thing in Atlanta has also really taken off. It's amazing. Well, I think vegan is taking off everywhere. I have a couple of vegan cookbooks um, that um, I'm going to be looking at. And I actually can't wait to get your cookbook, um, Electric, A Modern Guide to Non-Hybrid and Wild Foods. How do you define for my listeners what non-hybrid and wild foods are, Um, That's a great question. Um, So the way that we define it is that the 
food has to have a pH of a 7.5 or higher to be considered alkaline, making it electric food. So the food also has to be organic. It has to be um, non-hybrid, meaning that, for example, even if you have an organic grape or watermelon, but it's seedless, it would still then be considered a hybrid. It's been tampered with. It's, it's not uh, a natural product, although it hasn't been sprayed with pesticides, making it inorganic. The food in its natural state, not modified Absolutely. and also organic. So give us an example. So how how do you know, how would someone listening know what a pH, the pH of their food is? Give us some examples and how you would find out. Great question. So basically you're going to know the pH of your food through, for me, it started with, um, there was an electric or alkaline food chart I saw about maybe 10 years ago. And I was shocked to know that my corn and my potatoes or my carrots actually had a low pH. I didn't realize that fruits and vegetables could actually have a low pH. Even jackfruit uh, doesn't have a 7 pH. So um, I just started by studying alkaline electric charts. Um, uh-huh. and then I started to get, actually started to get um, pH strips. And I would uh-huh. even eat some of the foods and start to test um, some of my beverages through using pH strips. And I started to even eat the foods and then urinate and test my urine. So, um, I, right, I know. But, you know, if that's something that you're really interested in, if somebody is suffering with an over-acidic condition, which honestly most Americans are, we're eating a standard diet, it's very acidic, then mm-hmm. the goal is just to balance that diet. To me, my... I'm, I'm not the extremist who will say we need to eat a 100% alkaline diet. That is not my position. My mm-hmm. position is that we're just eating so much acidic food that we just need to simply balance it out so we can have balanced health. So why don't you give uh, my listeners an example of um, what the right type of food is. Um, I mean, and, 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 and also I'm going to ask, what's the deal with drinking apple cider vinegar water, which I happen to have in front of me? Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. So, which uh, there's some issues there about it, but let's talk about what yes. the right types of food are. And then I also want to address this apple cider vinegar thing because would you believe it or not, I was at the I was at the um the Walgreens drugstore up near where I am, and yes. I almost plots. They had apple cider vinegar, um, in what you look like a Robitussin bottle, you know, like a medicine bottle, like, like wow. a cough syrup. And it was marketed, uh-huh. it, it was not marketed in the vinegar section. It was marketed Whoa. in the pharmaceutical wellness section. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. Um, yeah. well, well, so what I will say is that there are, um, actually, I, ha- I have a list of electric foods. But some of my top electric foods, for example, just starting with grains, as opposed to eating white rice or even brown rice, you would instead do an alkaline grain, which would be wild rice, and it would be a black long grain wild rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to do a pasta, I love pasta and I still eat it, but if you're going to do it, you want to do it with grains that are alkaline. For example, a kamut pasta or a spelt pasta even, uh, K-A-M-U-T or spelt. Uh, mm-hmm. Or even uh, uh, buckwheat would be a, a, a gluten-free version as well for those mm-hmm. of you who are, who are gluten-free. Um, if spelt does have some gluten, but it is considered alkaline. And mm-hmm. if you're looking at, um, 
like cereals and things like that. I know people love their oatmeal and their cereals. So that's a kind of a, a big one or tricky one when you get into pastries and things. Well, it would be better to do uh, like a coconut flatbread, uh, which is alkaline as opposed to wheat, um, which is not. Or maybe even uh, if you do in a hot cereal, then you would do quinoa flakes, for example, mm-hmm. or eat quinoa as opposed to your oatmeal and things like that. So whole, I'm so I'm curious about that because everybody's going on and on about overnight oats, oatmeal, whole. So you're saying <laughs> no to the overnight oats and, and yes I'm saying to no, quinoa? no wow. to overnight oats and yes to quinoa flakes or spelt flakes, kamut flakes. In fact, they cook up just like your oatmeal super quick in the morning. You can season it however you choose and it's great. Well, I'm a big quinoa person. I love quinoa every which way. I could have it every day. Um, all the colors. Awesome. I was in I was in Peru and I saw every color of quinoa. I have not had kamut. Okay, I love buckwheat. Okay. Buck, buckwheat has that great nutty taste. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. We do a mm-hmm. buckwheat granola uh, instead of a sweetened granola. My husband gets buckwheat oh, nice. and adds pumpkin seeds and um, unsalted nuts and some dried fruit, maybe cranberries or ra- golden raisins. Or we cut up dried apricots and then we use that as our salad topping, our yogurt mm. topping, um, any okay. kind of crunch. Um, and and it's great. It's It's, you know, much better awesome. than all the sugary stuff. And we make it at home. Yeah. yeah make, make things at home. So that's kind of interesting. So let's talk about the whole apple cider vinegar thing. What are your thoughts yes. on that? And, so this and- is a really good dialogue. And this is what I make really, um, I, 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 this, this is really important to understand. In the electric book, I talk about this, where this is a genetic-based diet. So I want to be clear about that. Mm-hmm. Um, electric, book, electric book was written and it, as it says, indigenous foods, um, because what has happened through the onslaught of colonialism, people of color have really had to um, eat a diet that is just not natural to their environment, right. whereas tropical, tropical foods, have, are just, they just work for us. We really thrive in tropical foods, fruits and vegetables. We can have some meats, but mostly fruits and vegetables work for us. A diet of wheat and dairy and butter and starch and flesh just doesn't work, which is why in the beginning I, I heard you mention that black women are suffering these colossal numbers yes. in comparison to uh, other women when it comes to our health. Well, it's because we're not eating our natural foods. So when I talk about things like apple cider vinegar, I'm talking about really all fermented foods. They mm-hmm. just don't work very well for um, the African-American bioanatomy. Um, <laughs> it's just not something that works best for us. So what I have found is that there are some great benefits to things like apple cider vinegar, just like there's some great benefits to things like garlic, but because it's highly acidic and also it's fermented, it just doesn't work very well for our, our particular um, genetic base. Well, that's really interesting because I think a lot of people don't realize. I do want to remind my listeners that you can go to W4WN.com if you have any questions for Chef Aki, W4WN.com. You know, I don't think people understand how your genetics and and in what I call your heritage um, play because uh, the Asians, Asian, Japanese, and many Asians Mm -hmm. have trouble with dairy. Um, Mm -hmm. I went to to Institute for Integrated Nutrition and and one of the classes that um, I was, uh, was discussions was on how 
the foods you grow up eating um, can impact you for the rest of your life and what you're used to. And I was with a, mm-hmm. a girl who we went, we were in Nashville this past weekend at a conference, and she grew up um, in a uh, American Italian family eating very traditional Italian food, mm-hmm. and. She was having difficulty, you know, adjusting to the Southern diet food. Of course, you mm. know, it's very rich. And she said, my body is not used to this. And I feel mm. that way as well. Afri- women of color, especially African-American women, it, one of the cons- biggest concerns is that the diet is rich and also very high in sodium. And um, yeah. African women statistically have a higher rate of obesity and diabetes, according to the Centers for Dis- Disease yeah. Control right. Prevention. That's right. And... A lot of it is that they there's there's so much sodium in the foods that they're eating. All of us are eating, but in, in certain types of foods, and that is mm-hmm. a direct line to high blood pressure and a high That's risk right. of stroke. So, what are some ways to reduce sodium in your diet? Let's talk about healthy substitutions. So, um, the main thing is that we're eating a lot of processed foods. So, the salt that we're getting is really low quality salt. Now, I'm I'm actually big on salt. Um, and I don't see a problem with salt. My, the issue is just the quality. Um, there's some great benefits, lots of minerals in, in high-quality salt. So I tell people, you know, if you're going to do it, do, you know, the pink Himalayan, do Celtic sea salt. Um, so not so much of the issue there. I think it's just where we're getting our food from. We're eating our eating processed foods, and so we're just getting an abundance of unhealthy sodium, but we're also not hydrated enough, not eating enough foods that will hydrate hydrate us. And we are eating a diet that is super high in estrogen. And I yes. would like to see, you know, hear see more of that conversation um, because people aren't really connecting what's happening with these fibroids and cysts uh, directly to diet or to estrogen. And yes, the genes certainly play a huge part in it because um, you're, you're not just talking about just the genes, but you're also talking about tradition, you're talking about, um, you know, economic situations, you know, socioeconomics will affect this. So, you know, if women of color are eating really low quality food, low quality salt, um, they're not getting fruits and vegetables in their diet. Um, and then they're also using a lot of um, body products and hair products. So some of these things are the toxins from that as well that are preventing them from having healthy um, reproductive systems as well. So it really is a hodgepodge uh, of, of things that are creating this issue. And that's really been my, um, my, my goal for the last two, three years is just to teach women how to replace some of these things that you love, that's your traditional favorite fried chicken and potatoes and whatever, you know, how can you start to maybe use um, purple potatoes and butternut squash and sweet potato to replace, you know, your typical buttery mashed potatoes, replacing your oils and butters and, and your sweeteners and things like that. Just kind of starting small. So if you've got listeners, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're still doing um, uh, cooking with olive oil, that can be toxic. Use the olive oil after. If you are still drinking out of typical plastic water bottles, maybe upgrade to some BPA-free bottles and really monitor your water. You well, I w- wait. I want to ask you about. I'm getting a lot. Of, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of questions in, and um, which is good. This is a great thing. I'm gonna get to a lot of them are based around. First of all, I want to address olive oil because I was just in Italy, and the Italians live and die by olive oil. And if, in Italy, and again, we are talking yep. about where you grew up. Mm-hmm. can affect how you eat 
and 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 when you leave that environment and go somewhere else, what may be normal elsewhere may not be good for you. So, um, sorry for that announcement. Um, so in in Italy, everybody uses olive oil, and 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 the mantra is use olive oil. Don't use canola. Don't use other oils. And don't use anything but extra virgin because they consider plain olive oil industrial. Like they, quote, wouldn't feed it to their animals. So you just <laughs> said don't cook with olive oil. So I want to clarify. Yeah, I want to clarify that. What I would like to say about that is I don't, don't heat the olive oil. Uh, is my suggestion is that once you heat it, it actually turns into a carcinogen going to change the, the, the composition, the structural composition of it. So I wouldn't suggest that. Um, but you can use it. Olive oil is great, especially high quality olive oil, um, extra virgin in a dark bottle. Um, it's fine. But there are better oils on the market. Great like? oil is a wonderful <laughs> replacement. Uh, I love cooking with grapeseed oil. Um, of course, coconut oil is mm-hmm. wonderful. And it, is high in saturated fat. it is high in saturated it, fat. So it, is, with, yeah. it, it is. It is. Um, but I cook with it like for frying, like for high temperature stuff. I like cooking with it. Right. Um, but mostly I'm using hemp and grapeseed every day. Those are my two go-tos. You got to be careful with hemp because it can get rancid. But you got to be, again, we're getting a lot of questions in, so I'm going to get to them. With with all oils, a few tips. Do not keep your oil near the stove or in heat because many um, certain types of oil can go rancid faster, but all oil will go rancid if you keep it near your stove and near mm-hmm. heat. Um, and mm-hmm. the rule of thumb is that olive oil is not really great for high heat cooking. There are better oils like you talked about, um, mm-hmm. to use olive oil, extra virgin olive oil is really what you use to drizzle and add flavor. And it's a great way to add flavor without salt. A couple of questions mm-hmm. coming up there. Um, let me wait for that announcement. Okay. So a lot of the questions coming in, I'm just going to wrap them up as, um, and I'm going to say three that. Three of my listeners have said, what will it help? How will, um, it's kind of a three-part question. How will switching to a plant-based diet improve your health? And how long does it take someone to switch to a plant-based diet? And how will it help us eliminate the the, the toxicness in our body? So it's kind of a, a, a question that loops one into the other because I think what, my listeners want to know is why is it important? How can you do it step by step? And what will you experience as a result of it in terms of how you look and feel? Oh, good question. I, apologies. I was muting you. So my suggestion is that you use, uh, make the dishes that you're used to make what you always eat, but use different ingredients that are plant based. Right. If you want to make the transition, um, that's, that's just a simple way to start. But what I want to say is that the benefits of it are amazing because you are ridding yourself firstly of so many toxins because of the way that meat is processed in this country. Unfortunately, our agricultural system, our meat pr- uh, producing system has really been compromised in a major way when it comes to uh, what they're feeding the animal. So you're not just right. feeding the animal, you're eating what they're feeding the animal, which unfortunately exactly. is not, <laughs> not natural foods. Uh, oftentimes GMO, and they're also shooting them with loads of antibiotics. And you can learn all about this on, you know, several Netflix movies at this point. It's really exactly. you know, open information, right? But so, you know, making sure that you're not getting an excess of chemicals. We're already inundated swimming in this stuff uh, every day. So just make it, you know, it's about just really cleaning up your body, cleaning up our environment as far as going mm-hmm. plant-based. And I'll tell you, I'm 39, I'll be 40 in, the, in February, 
And I went plant-based around 18 years old. And yes, it took me years. It took me four years to completely transition because I, right. I was used to eating Taco Bell. But, you know, I, I had to slowly make the transition from, you know, the Taco Bell bean burrito and the McDonald's french fries into a, a whole foods diet where I was really cooking at home. So if you're someone who doesn't want to cook, um, every day, then this lifestyle may not be for you. If you're someone who doesn't love fruits and vegetables and really enjoy them, this lifestyle may not also be for you. Um, Ex- I hope but, I'm answering that. <laughs> yeah, but here, here are a couple things, you know, that I've learned because I, I'm not plant-based. I am plant-focused. So I do eat nice. fish. I do eat white meat chicken. I, I don't eat That's meat. Nice. So I want to also weigh in a couple of steps you can take. Um, you made a really good point, Aki. It's not about radically changing your diet. It's making substitutions. So one, yeah. to, to go more plant-focused, which is a really great start versus p- total elimination to only plant two-thirds or three-quarters or two handfuls of your plate. Two handfuls of your plate should be vegetables, okay? So meat or the protein, meat or fish, is really your side course. So instead of making salad your side salad, make your vegetables the main part of your 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 entree. That's a big, easy step you can do. Buy fresh or flash frozen um, and, and try to season it yourself. I mean, you can cook very easily. You can steam, you can boil, you can microwave, you can roast, you can saute, and you can flavor with a little bit of salt because, as you said, and I concur, Good salt is good for your body. There's very essential minerals in salt, um, but you can also season with wonderful um, flavorings like turmeric, cinnamon, um, Moroccan mm-hmm. spices. I, 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 you probably agree, go and get your spices as in their natural form versus some of the prepackaged ones that can have some hidden sodium. What do you think mm-hmm. about that? Absolutely. I think that's a really important point. I don't think we, I, I think we missed that, uh, the way with right. our condiments and our spices really yeah. affect our health as well. That's a very important point. Another great flavor, you know, we talked about different types of oils for cooking. Coconut oil does add a, a wonderful um, flavor to food, and, and you don't need a lot. I mean, a, a tablespoon of all oil is 120 calories, so don't just use measurings. Use measurements. Uh, but uh-huh. you can drizzle with olive oil. You can drizzle with really great balsamic vinegar and add wonderful flavors. I actually uh, he roast with balsamic vinegar, which adds a little caramelized nice. sweetness. With, and yes. vinegar is very low in, in calories. It's acidic, but it's it's very, very good, and it kind of dissolves. So there are ways to do it without radically changing your diet. Now, I know for a lot of people, there's a socioeconomic question, is is, is better food more expensive? So let's talk about oh, it, because I know yeah. that's a big issue, for particularly for women of color. And, 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 you know, the food can be expensive, so you opt for the cheaper <laughs> the cheaper food. Yeah. What are some yeah. tips for, for if you have a budget, but you want to eat better? Well, you know, this is really, it, it's a question of also values. You know, let's just be honest about that, right? Um, I've, I have clients who they've got, you know, Louis, Cindy Prada in their closet, but I go to their fridge and I swear to God, everything in there came from Walmart and it's like frozen pizzas. <laughs> and I'm just like, where, where there's a disconnect here, right? Yeah, right. Um, where people are just not prioritizing health in the same way that they are, you know, they're aesthetic. So, that's a that's a that's a topic. That's a whole conversation. But um, there's it's true that you know nine times out of ten, if you go to the market, you're going to get organic produce. It is going to be more expensive, and you're going to go through it much quicker, right? right. So my suggestion is um, I live in Atlanta, but 
I got to know my farmers. I go to those open-air farmers markets every weekend. There's one on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, I kind of chase down the farmers wherever they go. And when they set up, you can get amazing local produce, organic, for half the cost of what you would in a market. So I think mm-hmm. that's a great tip to remember is to get out there and really find out where your local farmers are, your farmers markets. Absolutely. Um, and I've interviewed a lot of chefs who actually lost a lot of weight. I've interviewed a number of chefs who've had severe health problems. Severe because chefs, believe it or not, even though they work in food, they have a very unhealthy lifestyle. So true. So um, they change their diet by shopping the farmer's market because you get the freshest produce. And if you find you still have excess produce, here's what I do. And I'll let you in on. We make broth with the bits and ends of um, of anything that might be going the other south. You know, we always throw mm-hmm. it in a pot and, and we always have broth simmering. Um, we'll juice with whatever's left um, that may be not mm-hmm. the optimum. Um, or you can also cook and freeze. I mean, flash, you, know, flash you can quickly cook and freeze and use it another time, um, which yeah. we have done with peaches, out-of-season peaches. And we always have, you know, p- peaches in the freezer that we fro- sliced and froze when they were in season. So what are some of your tips? Smart. Oh, that is so smart. Yeah, actually, um, c- uh, cook- cooking greens and uh, storing fruits and things like that in the freezer is a big deal at my home. Um, and I'm always, I'm always soaking something. I tell people that you come to my house, they're like, what is going on? Uh, having broth, soaking things is always going on. I'm soaking, um, I buy bulk uh, beans bulk grains and Mm -hmm. so I'll have lentils and chickpeas and black beans soaking around my house all the time um, Mm -hmm. because I want to cook them and freeze them so you know it makes it quick and convenient when I'm ready to cook Um, and and it's it's a lot cheaper than you know going and buying canned garbanzo beans or what have you so that's that's an important step also um, I think a good way is just to start to pack your lunches start to eat your leftovers whatever I'll make a big pot of stew and the, my toddler's taking it to school, hubby's taking it to work, and we're all, eat, you know, we're eating that for lunch. Uh, I mean, if, if you don't mind leftovers, for me, the food's incredible and it's high quality, and that's what I want. I want to feel good. It's more important for me to feel good than have all this variety every day, and it's economical. So that's another thing is I, I suggest people start packing up their lunch. I agree. I, I had a woman who worked for me, Dawn. Love her. She came from Liberia, and she used to bring these simmering, savory uh, st- these stews that she would make every day and eat them and we all wanted to eat her food and and it looks so good but you will save so much money believe it or not mm-hmm. eating out or cooking at home <laughs> cook cooking at home and mm-hmm. and learning to repurpose the word is repurpose and reuse mm-hmm. um, your food I mean we never throw out leftovers uh, we find ways to repurpose them I mean if it really is time I'll put it in a blender I'll put whatever's mm-hmm. left in a blender and blunder it down and add yogurt, you know, fresh yogurt to create something mm-hmm. creamy out of it or, or make a hummus or a dip out of something, which you can do. Get mm-hmm. to know your blender and get to know your food processor because they can really transform foods um, pretty mm-hmm. well, right? And it's also good mm-hmm. for kids because if you have kids, you've got children. How old are your children? Oh, my gosh. So my child is three. He'll be four in December. Okay. And uh, he's a plant-based child. <laughs> and uh, and he tells everybody about that. And so is that alkaline? Is that alkaline? He's, oh, my God. Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, that's been a, a really, really cool experiment. He's truly helped me to figure out how to feed um, myself better to, you know, and to help other mothers feed their children as well. 
Well, I think that's important because when kids do end up going into the nursery school or school lunches, then they're kind of stuck with what served them unless they Absolutely. bring a lunch box. Um, what are some uh, ways to kind of incorporate if, uh, for anyone who's a parent to, to teach their kids about healthy eating without it being overbearing because, you know, they all want candy. I mean, you know, we've got Halloween coming up and everything. What are some ways to, <laughs> to kind of start the process early for them to appreciate better food? Yeah. Well, you know, have, my son would go to the organic garden with mommy. Um, you know, they're going to they're gonna watch you more so than they listen to what you say. You know, if you start talking about healthy this and that, they immediately tune out. So I think it's important that as opposed to talking their ear off about healthy living, show them by your actions and your lifestyle. My son is so used to being in the farmer's market, being in the garden, helping mommy pick out fruits and vegetables. When we go to Trader Joe's, he'll take a basket. You know, they have a little mini kid basket. And he mm-hmm. loves to walk around picking out vegetables and fruits for me. So I think that, honestly, that's probably one of the biggest components is that it's the lifestyle that he's used to. Um, but the second thing that I think is helpful is making it not stressful where I've groomed him to kind of eat what me and dad eat. So, you know, we're, we're all kind of eating together, eating the same thing so that he sees that this is just a part of what we do. And then he's going to take it to school the next day. And if I hear that there's a pizza day, no problem. I'm going to give him a cauliflower crust pizza that's mm-hmm. going to shine next to all the other kids' pizzas or a butternut squash um, uh, pizza, which mm-hmm. is at Trader Joe's frozen. It's awesome, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I love, uh, I love, I love, my husband shops at Trader Joe's all the time and we make homemade. I mean, last night we were working kind of late, um, prepping for the shows and he took old sourdough starter. He makes his own bread and he took the sourdough starter and rolled it out and popped some veggies on it and popped it in the oven with some, um, uh, olive oil. And he had just a teeny bit of, uh, I don't think I had cheese on it cause I'm trying not to do cheese right now. It was just, it was just so yummy. I mean, if, with the, you know, what's fun is if you, if you start cooking with your kids, I remember cooking with my mom baking as a little girl, none of it was healthy cause she had a sweet tooth. But if you also get your kids in the kitchen cooking with you, it's a great way to start healthy habits there. And I think the word healthy, you don't need to say, you just say fun and tasty. Exactly. No, that's, that's huge. My son has a kitchen that we got him when he was two and we, you know, built this little kitchen, little mini kitchen, and it's right next to mommy's kitchen. And so he's so he he's cooking his own meals. He's serving us food, and you know, eat the we bought fruits and vegetables to go with his kitchen set. So he's in there, you know, making up his own dishes and serving us every day. So I think having kids cook with you is. Um, the the lessons will, will last forever. Even if they take, you know, they veer off and eat junk for a while, I think the lesson will just stay there forever. Absolutely. Now, some of my um, listeners did have a question about, you know, um, h- how long does it take to change a diet and what will the effects? I, I you know, mm. as a rule of thumb, all habits take time. You know, I think it, I think there's a, a formula of 60 days. You always hear, learn in 60 days, learn in 90 days. I mean, you really need to, to, to keep a diary of what you're doing to, to discipline yourself or work with a coach or work with someone, but it can yeah. take a good, I think it can take a good 90 days to one, make the change and two see the effect because your, your, your body has to cycle out what's yes. in it. Yes. It does not happen Absolutely. overnight and there's no quick fix and no and, quick fixes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah. think what's important too is to give some perspective guys, maybe um, as a colon therapist, uh, we know that you've got to clean, uh, you've got, it takes about 10 to 15 colonics to wow. get a thorough cleanse, 10 to 15. 
And so just to give some perspective there, you've got, what, 30, 35 feet of intestinal tract, right? It's like 12 times the length of your body. So that's a long way for food to to travel and to be in 98-degree weather and to, you know, ferment and, you know, get stuck if it's, if it's not, um, you know, high-fiber foods. So you got to think about it from that perspective. Like she said, your body has to go through that cycle of right. cleansing, right? So everyone's different. I have people who, who can go cold turkey. They just make up their mind. They watch What the Health on Netflix, and they just went cold turkey. But uh, I, was not that, I wasn't that person. I was not that person. I needed alternatives. I was eating vegan fried chicken. I was eating vegan hot dogs. I was eating, you know, vegan pizza. I was eating all of the, the, the alternatives. And I found some really great vegan cheeses mm-hmm. that helped me to make my mac and cheese, you know, vegan bacon. Right. I, I needed all of those things really for me to make that switch. I didn't want to miss out on yummy food. Well, I have to tell you, I was in Nashville this past weekend, and I had a vegan pimento cheese that was fabulous. It was made with cashew cheese at this cocktail bar called Fox, and it was so great. I can't wait to get the recipe because cashew cheese, which is fairly easy to make, is a great way to – it's a nut cheese, basically, a nut-based cheese alternative. And it was so – you would never have thought you were not having the real pimento cheese, which, of course, is a southern staple. Nice. Um, It was really – because I happen to be a cheese head. I'm I'm going through cheese withdrawal now because, like I said, (laughs) I was in Italy, and that's all they serve this. And, yes, you can have too much cheese and feel ill. Now, I've never had – do you still – do you still – give colonics or you is it have you moved on from that i don't know it's been years years okay. years but i've never had yeah. one i was always curious oh, like wow <laughs> like how do you for anyone who's curious about why you would have a colonic why would you have a colonic and how do you prepare for one mm, great question so um you would have a colonic honestly every american between the ages of like 20 and you know 60, I think, should have a series of colonics, which means that you'd be doing three pretty much back-to-back. So you do three in one week so that your, uh-huh, so that your colon stays moist. It's a, you know, the, 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 the colon's job is basically to just dry out, you know, pull out moisture so that you can have a bowel movement. Well, you're going to need to moisten everything up so that you can start to cleanse. So we put about 20 gallons, 20, 25 gallons of water into your body through a small speculum through Mm -hmm. the anus, of course. And then it's just going to moisten up your colon so that your bowel can have a natural movement and all of the uh, old waste starts to leave your body. And that's going to take about, um, like I said, 10 to 15 colonics. So over the course of maybe a month or two, yeah, it's about two months, you can get a full cleanse. And this is really, really good for just about anybody who's been eating standard American diet, honestly. So, except then you can't go back to eating a bad diet because then you're just going to clog up your colon again, right? <laughs> That's the goal. That's the goal is to make a full <laughs> lifestyle change so you don't have to keep going back. Well, I'm curious because, um, you know, 90% of my women friends complain about being constipated <laughs> and, and I think it's worse as you get older and, and it's, pretty, it's particularly hard when you're traveling. Um, you know, I don't know what yeah. it is about airplane, I don't know about airplane air, but that's just the most toxic air on earth. It really it's is. It's so true. Well, it's true. And when we travel, we tend to eat a little different as well. Um, and I think our, our, our bowel is 
you know, so connected to our brain. So we yeah. start to, you know, just do things different as our bodies, you know, as we're moving into different environments, our brain is saying, I'm not fully comfortable for right. releasing my ways. So I think that's a part of it too. But the constipation, I always say, is the first sign of disease growing mm-hmm. in the body. If you are dealing uh-huh. with any type of constipation, know that that is your body's first warning signal that you're going in the wrong direction. You've got to be having at least one bowel movement per day. You should. And and I, I you know, I'm, that's why I was asking about colonics. A lot of people have think, you know, are they dangerous? Why would you have them? It's gross. Mm. But I think, it, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see that I see the the benefits, but I didn't know you need to do a series, but it's interesting because it kind of pure, I can, I've heard it can be very transformational <laughs> to go oh, through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've oh, yeah. I've heard that. And you kind of glow afterward because basically when your body is toxic, it shows, you know, on your face, on the, on your texture of your skin, on the color of Absolutely. your skin, on the texture Absolutely. of your hair, on your energy. And, and, and when you start feeling that you feel dry, itchy, bloated, puffy, you know, your, your face is blinking out, you know, all the things that you, that's the time to say, my body's really having a shriek fest. I want to yeah. thank you, um, Chef Aki, for joining me today. Um, for my oh, listeners, um, her website is www.gochefaki, that's Go Chef. A-H-K-I. You can follow her and her nine gazillion fans on Instagram at Chef Aki. (laughs) And um, she's got her books, again, Electric, A Modern Guide to Non-Hybrid Wild Foods, The Fibroid Elimination Recipe Guide, and Superfood for the Modern Baby. I hope um, that this show has been uh, beneficial to my listeners. Um, I look forward to meeting you sometime. um, Our paths cross. And congratulate you for all your success. And thank you for sending um, your message of plant-based diet especially to women of color that it's important to take care of yourself so thank you for that thank you pleasure to be here thank you guys absolutely so this uh wraps up another edition of fearless fabulous you thank you to my listeners who sent in their questions i hope we answered them um stay tuned for another great show next week and as always you can listen to any of my shows anytime on iheart itunes and your favorite podcast platform until then stay fearless and fabulous thank you hey,